Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. This show is made possible through the support of Transitions Life Care and representing Transitions Life Care is Cooper Linton. Good evening to you, sir. Good evening, Jason. It's great to be here this this evening. It's good to be here as well. And uh, joining you, the lovely Nicole Bruno with Transitions Guiding Lights. I'm so happy to be here, but I'm kind of hoping at some point children get to go to school five days during a school week. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's way too much to ask. It's it's more fun. It keeps people on their toes. It's it's like an at-home adventure game. It's just building family, really. The kids stay home. The parents stay home. Basically, no work yeah. gets done in the community. The economy collapses. Kids aren't learning anything, right? The economy yeah. collapsed. But other than that, it's really a good model. Yeah, other than that. But at least we're having fun at home. Uh, well, Cooper, let's let's get down to business here. Um, a little behind-the-scenes action. Before the show, you were throwing out some letters. CCRC. I remember we talked about this one time before, but uh, I can't recall exactly what it is. It's acronym soup. It's yes, our it favorite is. evening dinner. There's so many to keep up with. So, one, you're absolutely right. We were talking about CCRCs. Mm-hmm. Um, which stands for Continuous Care Retirement Community. But instead of trying to just break that acronym apart, we thought we'd bring somebody in who's an absolute expert in the matter because he runs one, and that's Tom Ford. He is the executive director with the Cardinal at North Hills, uh, which is a Kisco community. And Tom, we appreciate you coming on the show this evening. Cooper and Nicole, it's wonderful to be with you all. Uh, really looking forward to sharing some time with you and, and your listeners. Well, we have talked about CCRCs in the past, and at times people think, oh, I've heard about a CCRC, so they're all the same, but they're really not all the same. Uh, And we were hoping that you could kind of explain the concept behind a CCRC, and then what are some elements people should think about? So let's start with what is one? Great question. And, uh, you know, we're fortunate here in North Carolina that actually there is a, a legislative Uh, many years ago, uh, had the foresight to actually create uh, a a legislation that sort of governs CCRCs and what that means and what the continuing care retirement communities are. And they're actually uh, licensed and and controlled by the Department of Insurance or the insurance commissioners. Uh, So we're very fortunate that there is a regulatory agency that sort of defines what that is. But, you know, in general, uh, CCRCs are communities that could provide a whole continuum of care uh, to seniors, and they do that under a contract of life, uh, or or it has to be for at least a period of one year. So that's their, their you know, sort of typical things that you might see in a continuing care retirement community are different levels, uh, independent living, assisted living, and even skilled nursing. So what that means and how that how these communities provide that is all a little bit different. Uh, there are approximately about 60 CCRCs in the state of North Carolina. They go all the way from the, you know, the mountains up around the Asheville Henderson Vent, uh, Hendersonville area, all the way down to the coast, uh, Wilmington area. So, unfortunately, here in the Triangle, we have an abundance of CCRCs, uh, which are really nice. But you know, that, that's and they're all different, uh, which is makes them sort of unique. Uh, and I think the great thing about the CCRC uh, is that everyone in North Carolina has to have a disclosure statement. So, it really, sort of defines what you're providing. So, for consumers, 
they can go out to the Department of Insurance website mm-hmm. and they can see all the disclosure statements for those communities. Uh, so it really just go to a disclosure statement is just that. It tells the consumer, hey, this is what we provide. These are the services. These are the costs. Uh, and this is what you can expect. Um, so let's break that down a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I like the term life care community. To me, mm-hmm. that kind of sounds like, okay, I, I move to one of these places and they're going to take care of me for the rest of my life. Is that an accurate accurate kind of description? Yeah. In general, that is an accurate description that when somebody moves to a continuing care, that's one of the, the benefits of going to that community is that when you move in, and typically individuals are moving in. Or kind couples, of healthy. Healthy, yep, yep. healthy. They're coming in. Uh, They've you know, looked around, they're coming in and saying, hey, this is a great place for me. This feels like a good fit for me. And, and typically a spouse might be a couple coming mm-hmm. in. Uh, and as they age and as they have health needs or care needs, they can stay within that campus or the, on that, in that uh, setting. And then they can move uh, as the services are needed. So why would a person choose a continuing care retirement community versus you know, perhaps you know, starting off at one independent living community and then moving mm-hmm. to a different assisted living and then perhaps you know, further along into maybe a skilled nursing? What, what's the benefit of that? Yeah. I, I think the, the, to me, the big benefit, Nicole, is that you know, they, uh, in, your, in our, all of our lives, there, things happen. Uh, we don't, can't predict that, can't forca- forecast that. And you know, if you move that into a CCRC setting, that as those things happen to you, whether that's uh, illness or different things, uh, that you can stay within that continuum. You're working with the same staff individuals. You're in the same campus, uh, and that those are things that you don't have to worry about. You know, everything's sort of taken care of for, of you as far as those things in life, as far as you know, all the way down from landscaping uh, things, all the way to. Uh, working with a social worker, or working with a dietitian, all those things typically are provided at that continuing care. So in general, it, you know, and you're not in a crisis situation. So a lot of times when seniors or their families are dealing with a situation, unfortunately, it's a crisis. You know, they've something's happened. They've ended up in a hospital setting. And now they're having to make some really tough decisions all on their own. And quickly, you know, right now, you know, staying in a hospital uh, is down to days. You know, it's not, and and unfortunately, when things happen, then you're in a crisis situation. If you've gone out and you've uh, researched, determined where you want to be, and you moved into a CCRC, then you're not in a crisis situation. You have support, you have options, and you're not dealing with that. And particularly, not only your family, but your for you, but more importantly, your family. So I, th- I think you're touching on a great point, and that's that when many times families are looking at placement issues, it is post some sort of acute event. Something went very much awry medically. They're now in an acute setting, a hospital setting. Mm -hmm. They're looking at a discharge. And at that point, there's been this change of condition. The family's looking at what do we do for placement of mom, dad, spouse, whatever. That's really different than making a decision to go into a continuous care retirement community. I mean, very people don't typically make a decision sitting in the hospital, pick from a list and say, I need to go to this nursing facility tomorrow morning. That's not how folks come to you typically. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. They've typically, they're very discerning. Uh, a lot of the individuals that come to, into the CCRCs are what I call planners. Mm-hmm. These are individuals. The that, rare types. Yeah, the rare <laughs> type, yeah. Both, and, 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 you know, I think every, it's amazing, you know, in our society every day, um, since last year, 10,000 people a day in the United mm-hmm. States are turning 65. Mm-hmm. So we have a really large uh, part of our population uh, that's turning 65. And, you know, hopefully uh, they are 
becoming more planners and they they are, want control of their destiny they, they this do. group that's turning 65 today is a lot different than the group that turned 65 maybe 20 30 years ago yes absolutely mm-hmm. and you know as they come uh, and look and they can shop and make decisions on you know what's important to them just mm-hmm. like anything may, you know in your life think of what you know if you're purchasing a home can you imagine if you had to purchase a home and decide that in one day yeah uh, right two days yeah. you know <laughs> so hopefully uh, or you know and 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 all those things that you have to think about, the schools, mm-hmm. where it's located, the ta- all those things. You know, and that's the same and when individuals in a, are faced, as uh, Cooper said, faced with a crisis situation. There's so many things to look at. Well, one of the things, too, I think, you know, especially with the consumers today, folks are being diagnosed with chronic conditions a lot earlier. You know, we just heard the other day somebody famous was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. I think it was Neil Diamond. And so, you know, you get diagnosed as a spouse, one, somebody in the, as a couple with Parkinson's, you know it sort of has this path to it. And so knowing that, that other that spouse may become more frail, then I think, you know, looking at what your future holds and, and thinking about, okay, what's my long-term care going to look like? Looking at a continuing care retirement community, going in when you're independent and knowing that you've made this choice when you're able to and and sort of move along that other uh, person part of the couple can still remain in that independent side when the while the other person kind of goes along the continuum correct yes correct and and that's great for couples you know especially as they're not able to drive they're right there on that campus and I think that's that's pretty phenomenal for couple care yeah and and they can also receive supportive services which is really nice so I think that's so what one does of that the, mean supportive services well that uh, I mean, you it know, sounds good it does yeah so you know most and I can't say this for all continuing care retirement communities, but all you know, we have relationships with providers uh, that we feel comfortable with and confident that we've done some vetting and we've we determined that whether that's finding a great uh, end of life provider that's like transitions life care, uh, or whether that's finding a, you know a dietitian or a social service or social worker. So you know, again, they can find uh, that support um, for them, whatever their needs are. So we've sort of taken all that out of the equation, and we've done some uh, research on that. That is the voice of Tom Ford. He is the executive director of the Cardinal at North Hills, which is a Kisco senior living community. And we will continue our conversation all about continuing care retirement communities or CCRCs in just a bit. Stick with us. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno, and Cooper Linton here with you. Our guest this evening is Tom Ford. He's the executive director of the Cardinal at North Hills, which is a Kisco senior living community. And Cooper, we're talking all about CCRCs or continuing care retirement communities. And you brought up a good point last segment, Cooper, that uh, – you know, people typically aren't uh, one day in the hospital and say, oh, "Okay, I'd like to go over and pick out a, a CCRC right here, and I'll do this in an hour, and we'll, ah, you know, all, yeah, all done, all got done. that off my plate." That was easy. Yeah, that doesn't happen. It, it doesn't happen. And uh, you know, Tom talked about the the people who are planners. You're talking about planning a phase of your life that incorporates healthcare into your lifestyle and how you plan to age and have resources that surround you <clears throat> pardon me as you age but tom you also touched on the fact that all of these ccrcs are not alike uh, in fact there's some resources online that are available for that could you help us walk through some of those differences 
and how people should consider that planning phase. If I'm wanting to consider a continuing care retirement community as an option, what should be on my mind and how do I approach this task? Because it could seem rather daunting. Yep. Great question, Cooper. I would uh, suggest and advise uh, individuals and couples and families that are all together to you know sort of have a discussion about uh, what you are looking for in a retirement community and look at CCRCs as a very, very important model. Um, one of the things I would look at first, obviously, is where, where are you looking to relocate or where are, if you need to relocate, are you staying where you are? So, you know, geographically, where, what's important to you? Do you want to be near services? Do you want to be near family? So I would look first at geography uh, because that's very important. Uh, the next, I would actually, again, the uh, North Carolina uh, Department of Insurance has a wonderful reference guide online. It's free. You can go to their website, uh, the North Carolina Insurance Commissioner's website, and they have a wonderful guide there that you can use. And it gives you a list out all six, approximately 60 CCRCs uh, and gives you a map of where they're located. And then at that point, you can sort of look at every community there has a disclosure statement. And the disclosure statement is, again, for consumers to look at. And it gives you a little background of what it is the community does, how their models are. All the all communities have little different models. So understand that there are typically going to be some type of entrance fee. There's going to be an entrance fee to move into the CCRC. That can range anywhere from a few thousand dollars up to almost a million dollars. So you want to look whoa, at... Whoa, whoa, yeah. Did you say almost a million dollars, yes. Tom? Hang, hang on. Let me grab my wallet. We'll cover this real quick. <laughs> I mean, just the concept of that kind of money can mm-hmm. almost put people off from even exploring it because they think maybe they can't afford the care or that it's totally outside their price range. But you also mentioned that there were options at the lower end of that Yeah, spectrum. there certainly are. There's, you know, a generally, uh, you know, communities uh, have lots of options and choices, and that's where you're, you're going to need to look at, you know, talk to your family, but also talk to your, you know, your tax, who does your taxes, who helps with that. If you have because an attorney. There are absolutely tax yeah, implications. Absolutely. And you want to talk to, an, if you have an attorney mm-hmm. that helps you with the state plan, any, any of those type of things, you want to have this discussion. But know that there are lots of options. There are different models. So you, once you sort of determine what you feel comfortable with from a budget perspective and look at, you know, what kind of implications they have for taxes and so forth, then you can sort of narrow that down, that search. So generally, you know, there's different entrances. Some go all the way from full refund, where you're going to get back everything you put in. Uh, there's also partial refunds. Uh, there's no refunds. There's declining refunds. So there's lots of different ways to do that. So uh, just know that you're going to, and that'll all be listed in the disclosure statement. So an apple's not an apple. Correct. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> just Thanks, like Nicole. every other yeah. part of a long-term care continuum. I, I'm telling Sorry. you what, we get more confused every single day we're in here, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> and I would say CCRCs have been around for a while. So yeah. this is not new. I would say generally CCRCs that have been you know in existence for a while, those generally those type of contracts that you would sign moving in are what they call extensive or type A contracts. And those are generally going to be what you, you know, more of a... Uh, a ref, not a refund mm-hmm. or and so forth. So they're going to be you're going to have different contracts from extensive, which really means that you're going to be providing services and healthcare uh, for a set price throughout mm-hmm. the whole time that you're at the CCRC. Sure. Then you might have a modified contract, which we call Type Bs, which are again providing all those services uh, that you would have, but it's going to impact your monthly fee. So maybe right. you're maybe accessing you're, more, you pay more. You pay more, correct? That makes then, sense. Then you're going to have more. You could have a contract where it's just fee for service, where you're just going to pay uh, maybe a higher monthly fee, but then mm-hmm. your your entrance fee or community fee that you're paying is less. Now our community, which is the Cardinal North, and Hills, you're the new kids on the block. We are brand new. <laughs> uh, we've been open actually this year. This month is our one year anniversary in January. Thank you very much. 
Uh, and we are we are something new. We mm-hmm. are rental only. And so that's new to this area. That is new to this area completely. There's only, I think, two other rental-type CCRC models in the entire state. Mm-hmm. So the rental model is just that. I mean, you're signing an agreement or contract to move in, but it's a month-to-month uh, contract. Okay. Uh, and that's and generally you're going to have a very uh, nominal upfront or entrance fee similar to moving into any other type of community correct perhaps. Yes. yeah yeah okay so, and that you know again you're going to have full access to all the services throughout the continuum mm-hmm. uh, you are going to be paying a higher monthly fee uh, but there again you're not having to put out a really large upfront entrance fee so that's something again you would sort of uh, weigh and judge the benefits. So talk to us a little bit about how does the Cardinal at North Hills work? What is What does your continuum look like? You mm-hmm. come in healthy and then suddenly you're not. What What's sort of the next step? How does a person fall along that line? What types of services do you provide? Right. Oh, so that's a great question. I will say uh, the other thing too I didn't uh, mention earlier. Uh, in those disclosure statements, all continuing care retirement communities might have different levels of service. Right. Yes. That's, yeah, that's yes. why an so, apple's yeah. not an apple. It is. So I want to know about your apple. Yeah. So our, <laughs> our, I would like to say, you know, our apple is the full apple, if you uh-huh. would call it that. <laughs> uh, the, the full uh, apple. The full apple. Uh, it's a... Uh, a delicious apple, <laughs> red, red delicious, red delicious apple. but it has the full continuum. So we, we do provide uh, independent living, uh, and we also provide assisted living. We also provide memory care setting, and we also have uh, skilled nursing. Okay. Uh, we partner with home care vendors that can come in and provide home health services, whether it's home care or mm-hmm. home health, in their apartments, which is really nice. We don't provide that directly, but we have relationships uh-huh. with vendors that people can select. We, we do not limit individuals choices of who they'd like to bring in we do some vetting and make sure we feel comfortable with them coming but it's again it's their choice so that's a that's actually a great thing that you brought up because i know sometimes folks fear that you know they move into independent living and they fall or they get pneumonia just time of year the flu and then they're Mm -hmm. they need some maybe 24 7 care for a couple weeks just to get them back on their feet i think sometimes people fear they lose control and they have to move along but you allow folks to get some sort of supportive home care temporarily while they are starting to feel better or can it continue on and on? I know every community kind of has a different view on that. Yeah, our philosophy is is this is their home. Mm-hmm. You know, once you move into our community, uh, their apartment, uh, we have apartments, uh, th- that is their home. As long as they're bringing in uh, services that are safe and appropriate and it's and we all are in agreement, then we feel like that's the appropriate thing. Okay. Now, obviously we have some wonderful other options for them Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day as long as they're providing that in a safe setting and we're all in agreement when i say all it would be the family that the resident their primary care physician that we're all in agreement this is the right thing to do Mm -hmm. uh, and that that's okay with us awesome yeah so when you say an apartment what does that look like yeah good question um that's uh the cardinal we have 14 different floor plans that start anywhere from Mm -hmm. 800 square feet and they go all the way up to 2,000 square feet so it's. Uh, I got to tell you, two thousand square feet is a whole lot bigger than my first apartment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and the, again, the amenities of the Cardinal are we're a higher end community as far as the amenities. You know, they have granite countertops and they have crown molding, uh, all nice high end appliances. So those those are things that you know, residents can select and upgrade things if they'd like. Uh, generally, you know, once a resident moves to the community, um, this is probably the last. Uh, place or setting. So we want them to feel like they have input into the, the things that are important to them, whether that's wallpaper or colors. We want them to have that those choices. So if someone has just heard this, and we've covered an awful lot of ground in these two segments, but mm-hmm. 
if they say, this is intriguing to me and I want to know more about it, how do they reach you? Uh, the best way to find out information about our, our company is to find out about Kisco Senior Living as our parent company. You can go to our website, which is very easy. It's uh, Kisco, uh, www.kiscoseniorliving.com. How do you and spell it, that, Kisco? It's K-I-S as in Sam, C as in Charlie, O. So it's kiscoseniorliving.com. And that lists all of our communities. So you can find out the other great communities we have in the Triangle. Uh, we have Woodland Terrace, Magnolia Glen. Abbotswood, Stonehenge, those are all listed, and you can click on those and find out a little bit more information. If you just want to call us and pick up the phone, the best way to reach us is just the new area code here in the Triangle, which is 984-204-8444. You can give us a call, and that's a great way. Uh, If you're in the area in North Hills and want to swing by, you can do that. We're right behind Chewy's Restaurant, uh, (laughs) right down past the park, and it's a great location. You can just drop in. Um, We'd encourage you to call for an appointment, but if you can't do that, feel free if you're out shopping in the North Hills area and just want to drop by. We'd love to see you. Tom Ford, Executive Director of the Cardinal at North Hills. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. We really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. And again, you can find more information at KiscoSeniorLiving.com. That's K-I-S-C-O Senior Living. A quick break and back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, and you can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong, Cooper Linton, and Nicole Bruno here with you. And Cooper, we've we've brought in a, a returning guest here on the program, and I'm very excited about this. It is a privilege to have a returning guest. You know, we've we have talked we usually about, run them off and they, they yeah don't they never come, come back. back yeah they're, they're run screaming out of the studio that tires chirp as they leave the parking lot um we i've heard it said many times that as you age there's three things you need uh, one of them is a good attorney the second is a good accountant um and actually it should be first is a good physician and so we wanted to bring a dr melanie mincer on uh, the show this evening she is the founder and chief executive officer of Generations Family Practice, and you really have a strong background in family practice, but also in particular with the aging population. So, Dr. Mincer, thank you for coming on board. Thank you very much for having me. So I wanted us, if we could, to just kind of start big picture with really looking at larger health issues and why somebody needs to have an established relationship with a physician. But then I'd like for us to move into the fact that this is Heart Month, and there are some heart-specific issues that we can talk about today. So why do I need to have one one primary care physician if I am an aging individual or caring for an aging individual? It's really important to have somebody who can look at your whole life and your family and your employment and um, your social connections to keep you well because being well is not just having good health, but it's having support uh, it's having enough money to live on, having enough food to eat, um, having uh, family connections, and all of that keeps us healthy. And family medicine is a field that really takes um, into account all the sociological and physiological issues to keep people healthy. Uh, having one person who knows you over time uh, prevents you from having over-treatment can help you with un- making sure you get enough treatment in the right direction, uh, knowing that you have asthma. And so when the cardiologist gives you a beta blocker and 
all of a sudden you're having trouble breathing, you say, oh, you know, did he know you had asthma? So uh, it's important to know um, who the patient is, where they live, what is their socioeconomic status, and what is their family support, because it's the whole person that we need to look into. So you're talking about a lot of things besides my vital statistics and my list of medications. I mean, you're talking about what's commonly referred to as social determinants of health. Absolutely. We don't hear that all the time. Why is that? Well, I think that uh, you can't really um, be a generalist unless you take into account these issues, because uh, a person um, may be in a job, and if they don't have insurance, they don't have money, they may be able to pay out of pocket for medications, but let's say they lose their job and all of a sudden they don't have medicine. What do you do? That person needs their insulin, or that person needs their asthma inhaler, or that person needs their blood pressure medicine. Who takes care of them? Who knows the community resources? Who, who knows that that patient um, may not have any other resources? Alternatively, it can be someone who has five or six different specialists, and the specialists aren't talking to each other, and they get over-medicated. Or they are being treated for the same disease with different medicines and the doctors don't coordinate their care. Now this is obviated now with electronic medical records, uh, but if you have uh, a physician that is not hooked up to a hospital and you come out of the hospital and they don't have the records, they may not be able to treat you adequately, maybe changing your medicine, or may not realize that you've been diagnosed with something else and it always is difficult, especially as we get older, to remember everything that happens to us. Mm. You know, I think one of the problems we have is a blessing and a curse. We live in such a society, especially in this area, too, where it's a resource which, with specialists that everybody thinks, oh, you know, no, I'm not going to bother going to my primary. I need to see a specialist for this. And, and, I, and, I, and I think that's a, a huge problem because not everybody speaks to each other and folks um, really get misguided sometimes. I'm wondering, and I also know that there's a huge problem in medical schools with getting people interested in being a more generalist practice. I wonder why that is, and I wonder what we could possibly do to help that, because I think as time goes on, as the population ages, we really do need an air traffic controller physician in our lives. And I'm, I think one of the problems is perhaps they're not as incentivized to go into that field. Am I correct? Yeah. Um in the past, uh, be certainly before the Affordable Care Act and some of the um, new ways that compensation was provided to primary care providers, they were the second uh, lowest paid physicians, pediatricians being the lowest paid physicians, and then family physicians being the next lowest, and then general internists being the next lowest, because the system rewards people who are paid for procedures. And primary care doctors are paid for talking to people and coordinating their care. Uh, we don't really do something piecework like take out an appendix or set an arm or read an x-ray. We have to look at the whole person. And I think the problem with getting people into primary care is it's a hard field. You have to know a lot of things and maybe you know about more things in less intensity rather than one thing and you know everything about it. If you're an ophthalmologist, you know everything about three cubic centimeters of the body. If you're a family <laughs> physician, you have to know about what the general health issues are to keep people healthy, but you have to know something about the heart, the lungs, the brain. You have to know about nutrition. You have to know about um, 
physical therapy. You have to know about healthcare maintenance and prevention and immunizations. And it's a lot to learn. Now, it's very rewarding. I actually see uh, children of people I delivered in 1984. Wow. So I actually am seeing many times three generations of family because I might have known their grandmother and uh, I've been practicing for 35 years. And so I I see now the children of people that I delivered. And it's it's really a privilege. I think also taking care of the whole family really helps you keep people healthy because if you take care of the daughter that's been caring for their mother who's had end-stage heart failure and um, pulmonary issues and their mother dies, you know what a space she's going to have in her life after the mother dies, and you know that she's going to need some support for the loss. And you also know that her daughter, who's been helping her, you know, then needs to address her needs and how life cycle changes really affect family. You lose a parent and your own health can be compromised if you don't sort of start taking care of yourself and spending the time to grieve. So all of these things intertwine, and I think you have to be a little bit of a psychiatrist and a little bit of an orthopedist and a little bit of a cardiologist and a little bit of a pulmonologist and a little bit of a social worker. And um, <laughs> That's a lot of little bits. That's a lot of little bits, and you have to also know how to work on a team. Primary care is a team a team practice. I couldn't practice unless I had a nurse, and we had our front desk, and we have... Um, a, a psychiatric nurse practitioner in our practice, and we work with a social Did you say worker. A psychiatric nurse practitioner in your practice? Yes. I'm sorry, a... I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I don't hear that very often. No, but we have found that it's really hard for people to get psychiatric care and psychiatric medications and diagnosis, and it's very expensive, and many psychiatrists don't take insurance. So we have a psychiatric nurse practitioner we hire, and she sees uh, our patients that need more complicated. Um, medications or diagnosis and helps us so it essentially allows our patients to get the care that they need at the cost of just coming to a family practice it's made a huge difference in our practice how long have you had that um sorry to put you we, on the spot we've had either a um social worker or a psychiatric nurse practitioner in our practice probably for eight years that was incredibly innovative eight years ago. It's still innovative now. Yeah, and actually, um, the um, there is uh, Community Care of North Carolina is a coalition of primary care yes. doctors and uh, mental health professionals that work together. Um, and this is one of the models that they're trying to incorporate. We're speaking with Dr. Melanie Mincer, who is the founder and CEO of Gener excuse me, Generations Family Practice. And we'll continue our conversation and get into a little bit of heart health as well. In just a bit, stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good evening to you. Jason Kong here alongside Nicole Bruno and Cooper Linton. And our guest this evening is Dr. Melanie Mincer, who is the founder and CEO of Generations Family Practice. And Cooper, uh, we were talking a, a little bit about holistic medicine, and I know we're going to get into uh, some heart health in just a bit here, so I'll, I'll let you steer the ship. Well, I actually, this is one of those times I wish we'd left the mics on during the break. The, <laughs> um, 
as Dr. Mincer was finishing the, the first segment, I was thinking that this is that this style of practice that knows the family, that has multi-generational knowledge, that understands the community in which this family resides, is actually a throwback to the old school concept of a physician being integrated in the community. People know each other inside and outside the practice, and they actually made house calls. And at that point, I was reminded that Dr. Mincer, you actually are making house calls. <laughs> yes, I make house calls. Now, mind you, I make house calls to patients who really can't get out of their ho- homes to get the care and that it's really a struggle to get them. But there. it's maintaining but that it continuity of care. maintains continuity. And I think it's important to note that I take care of the whole patient, but I have a pediatrician in my practice, I have an internal medicine doctor in my practice, and we're gonna be adding another internist. So if I get over my head with the complex medical problems, they can see somebody else in the practice, or if I'm not there, there's somebody else who can back me up. So really, it's the patient sport. is a patient of the practice. And it's not just one person that has to be there 24-7, it's people in the practice. So you actually get to take vacation, because I was starting to wonder. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> I take vacations. And, you know, oftentimes I will have one of my patients, and I'll be all booked, and they'll see one of the nurse practitioners, yeah. or they'll see another physician, and they'll say, you know, I have Mrs. Jones here, and uh, I just wanted to run this by you because uh, she has um, a new spot on her um, face, and the daughter's worried about it being cancer. And I go, oh, no, 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 that's been there before. Mm-hmm, right. So it's, it's helpful for the whole practice, uh, or at least some of the people in the practice to know. And actually, the front desk people know the patients the best because they are the first right. person to talk to them, and they often will come back and say, you know, I've talked to Mrs. Jones, and she's really short of breath. I think we need to get her in. Can we get her in today? And so, it's it's the whole it's the whole practice family taking care of the patient. So February is Heart Month, and it sounds like you really are taking care of that heart of the family, just in everything that you do, all the people that you see related to the family, and just really looking at the big picture of the family. But let's specifically talk about some of the things that we should be doing to address the health of our hearts. Well, it's really important to know that um, the heart um, depends on other organs. So if your liver isn't good, if your lungs aren't good, if you've had a stroke or you've had something wrong with your brain, the heart might be affected. But the heart is um, really, in terms of the body, one of the main organs that feeds it. So if there's something wrong with your heart, you're not getting oxygenation to all your organs and it'll affect them. It can affect your weight, it can affect your breathing, it can affect your uh, ability to stand up and not fall down. Uh, It can also help your, um, alter your ability to think. So it's really important to do the things we always talk about, which is getting some exercise, watching your salt, making sure that um, you're not having any difficulty breathing, making sure that you do some exercise every day. Those things are, are really important. And if you feel weak or you feel dizzy or you're short of breath or your heart rate goes up, or you get swelling in your ankles, then maybe it's time to go talk to your doctor because those are signs of problems with your heart. 
And of course, the silent killer hypertension is the main thing that oftentimes we don't see with symptoms, but then can result 20 or 30 years later with something we call heart failure. So speaking of hypertension, I recently was at the doctor and they were explaining they have changed the guidelines of what is considered hypertension. And so it seems like you have to have a lower blood pressure than you did before. Is that correct? Right. Um, The American Heart Association and the American College of Internal Medicine and uh, the American Academy of Family Practice and the American uh, Associ- Associate American AAP, the Pediatrics American. It's a whole lot of smartphones. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a whole American lot of American Association yeah. of Pediatrics have all adopted new blood pressure guidelines. Before, we used to consider hypertension or high blood pressure being anything over 140, over 90. They've now brought down the. Um, guidelines to 135 over 85 with the preferred blood pressure being in the 120s over 70s. And what drove this? Was this just longitudinal data? Uh, What drove this was looking at people over time. I mean, 50 years ago, there was a uh, Framingham study that first measured what blood pressure was and normal blood pressure was. But what we found is if we want to prevent heart disease, the heart, which has to pump for 70, 80, and now in many people 90 years, needs to work at a lower blood pressure in order not to stretch out. So they've lowered the blood pressure because then it also prevents kidney disease, uh, helps lung disease, and really protects your brain. If you want to prevent strokes, you want to have a lower blood pressure. So besides blood pressure, which you've called the silent killer, what are some other very tangible things that I should be talked about? Exercise. What about diet? And we talked a little bit about salt, but what about diet? Diet is very important. And uh, certainly we know that diabetics, people who can't metabolize their blood sugar uh, appropriately, um, have an increased risk of heart disease, heart failure, because the small little arterioles at the ends of your fingers and toes don't get enough oxygen. And it essentially, um, the extra glucose in your blood will work on the muscle and it will kill off those little arterioles and eventually you don't have good perfusion in your toes or your fingers, the distal extremities. Um, And over time, it indicates that you're not getting perfused and so you have other problems. It also affects your kidneys and it can affect uh, your nerves. So... Uh, one thing touches the other. So one thing it, touches the other. It's diet that touches heart, that touches right. neurological issues, that touches right. kidney issues. And, of course, the most important thing that everybody knows about, but we sort of say, oh, yeah, is cholesterol. Um, when what are we the guidelines were, for that now? The, the guidelines for cholesterol are um, having your uh, total cholesterol under 200, your LDL cholesterol, which is, quote, your bad cholesterol, although it can be large, puffy LDL, plus small, sticky LDL particles. I, I'm not uh, sure I want either one of those, to be yeah, honest right. with you. Yeah, right. You don't, you don't, right. Your LDL to be under 100, and your um, triglycerides, which are directly related to glucose metabolism, being under 150. And there are a lot of ways that you can control this without medication. Exercise, um, eating low-fat foods, eliminating polyunsaturated fats, making sure that you are not... Um, eating uh, too much uh, unrefined sugars, 
all of those things, the general things you hear all the time, but it's really true. You really want to do, you really want to eat a good diet. But one of the things I'm, I, I hear, we're going to put somebody on statins. We're going to, we're mm-hmm. going to put somebody on medications. It seems to be almost uh, the, the first response at times. What you just suggested to me is that maybe it shouldn't be. No, I, well, I think it really depends on knowing your patient. If you have somebody who can exercise, somebody who can say, okay, I can cut out the cookies, or I don't have to eat fried chicken every week, or I don't have to drink, you know, two drinks at night, I can cut back my alcohol. If you think that people can change their behavior, I would definitely start there. But a lot of people come to us and they've already had their heart attack, or they've already been diagnosed with diabetes, Mm -hmm. and then they've already had damage to those organs, and we need to... um, do something about it. You can use red yeast rice extract, which is really like taking a statin, and coenzyme Q10, but if people radically change their diets, they can really bring down their lipids. Now, we also do tests for genetics, and there are some people that genetically are at higher risk, apolipoprotein E4 patients. I'm just glad we have a doctor who can explain all these things. Uh, we certainly do. And Dr. Melanie Mincer, thank you so much for joining us this evening. We're about out of time, but we appreciate you stopping by and being on the program again. And I appreciate you uh, informing me about my diet, the daily cookies and weekly fried chicken is uh, something I'm probably going to have to... Whatever you don't eat, I'll eat. Okay, well, that's that's good to know. That's good to know. Well, we are, uh, as I said, we're just about out of time. Enough time to remind everyone that you can catch us uh, every Saturday evening at 7 for Aging Matters. And you can catch up on any episodes that you missed at WPTF.com. Head on over to the host section and click on Aging Matters. You can see the full list of shows there. Thank you so much again to our guests, Dr. Melanie Mintz founder and CEO of Generations Family Practice, and Tom Ford, Executive Director of the Cardinal at North Hills, which is a Kisco senior living community. We'll be back at this again next week. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great night.